This is the Stop the Bleed podcast, where host Pat and Kelly will foster powerful discussion around the importance of Stop the Bleed. From awareness and training to education and life-changing actions, you'll hear from survivors, first responders, neighbors, doctors, and people you pass on the street every day. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Stop the Bleed podcast. It's Kelly here, and I'm with my co-host, Pat. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Well, Pat, the day is finally here. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest because we've been talking about bringing her on since Pat and I, since we first met and began podcast planning. You know, that's uh, true. Uh, So it's uh, Grace Cheney who's joining us today. Uh, Grace is uh, currently a student at at the Mayo Clinic, uh, completing a two-year research program before starting medical school. Uh, I actually have known Grace for a couple of years now, uh, beginning when she was a student at Miami University, uh, advocating for getting bleeding control kits in schools at the Ohio State House, and uh, starting a Stop the Bleed Club at the university, uh, even before we began our official Stop the Bleed Club program. And while I've only talked to Grace a few times in preparation for our time on air, I know her Stop the Bleed accomplishments don't stop there. She's got a lot up her sleeve that she's currently working on and also can share a lot that she's done in her past life too. So I'm really excited to hear more. So everyone, please welcome Grace to the podcast today. Uh, Grace, can you tell us where you're joining from? Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. I am joining from Rochester, Minnesota, where we are hopefully just getting out of the winter. We had snow flurries the first week of April, um, but hopefully it's going to continue to warm up. It's always cold in Minnesota, Grace. (laughs) Yeah, it's my first year here, and I definitely uh, got tired of the winter pretty quickly. (laughs) Well, hopefully spring will arrive in full force soon. Um, You know, there's quite a bit of ground we want to cover here today, and uh, I'm really excited to hear about what you're doing uh, in Minnesota, even though it's still a little winterish there. But before we get into that, uh, I'd like to go back to your time in college. And why don't you tell us how, how you got involved in Stop the Bleed? What, what drew you to uh, doing all the things that you've done? And then we'll get into what those things are. Sure, of course. So I attended Miami University in Oxford, Ohio for undergrad, where I was also the president of an amazing pre-health club called the Anatomy and Physiology Club. And as part of a certification class series we created, we took interested members down to UC Health Hospital, which was our level one trauma center in Cincinnati, Ohio, to take a Stop the Bleak class. And for me, I wholeheartedly believe that stories are incredibly powerful. And when we attended that class, Gina Menninger, she is the trauma outreach coordinator at UC. She did such an impeccable job of capturing my attention by recounting real life stories of massive bleeding that occurred right in my hometown. And I think that's what truly sold me. And I think all of our club members had an amazing learning experience during that class. But I remember at least for myself, leaving that class really feeling like I had been called to act and to do more to elevate the mission of Stop the Bleed. Well, that's great. I, I want to dig into uh, the, the stories that you've heard, because one of the things that the campaign has had to uh, deal with is a strong public perception that most of the time that somebody's bleeding out, it's caused by a gunshot wound, whereas the vast majority of uh, traumatic bleeding incidents are not from that. They're from for many other reasons. 
What were the stories that? Of course. So for us, we heard of a variance of, you know, so many different kinds of accidents and stories, some which included gun violence, but also there was a eight-year-old child who was in a bicycle accident and um, was crossing through a, a crossway and was hit by a car, unfortunately. And so there were bystanders that luckily stepped in and, and really helped him. And then we also heard of things like um, in Cincinnati, there's a, another college besides Miami, um, but that there was a, a party and someone broke the balcony and fell off of a balcony um, that was probably, I don't know, 10, 15 feet up in the air. And so it's, it's really became aware to me that you have to be prepared for the unexpected and that you can think this would never happen. You know, I hear it in the news all the time, but it would never happen to me. And I think hearing those stories just really shifted my perspective. And Grace, I guess I, I wanted to go back to kind of your note about um, being in the club and heading down and taking this Stop the Bleed course. Can you kind of just go back a little bit and tell me about where, how you got involved in the medical space in the first place and why you were a part of this club? Um, I think what I'm kind of trying to get at here and what I'm wondering is what motivates college kids to think about Stop the Bleed? Yeah, of course. So for myself, um, I went through two back-to-back -back, um, sports injuries from soccer. And I think that's going through the rehabilitation process and having surgery. That's what got me interested in, in anatomy and physiology. And so that's kind of what drew me to the club. As the president of the club, you know, I really worked with my other team members on our executive board to see how we could enhance the learning experience of our students and how we could facilitate further interest in the health sciences. And I think one thing that all college students are really interested in is expanding their knowledge base and in doing hands-on things that help them form a more well-rounded perspective of the world and of what is important to them and their community. And so that's kind of what got us into thinking of creating that certification class series to both help our members professionally speaking, but also to help them just evolve and grow as, as humans and as community members in our local community. And so that I think is kind of what initiated that process. And then, you know, as a college student at the time, I was really in a unique situation where I could evaluate exactly where the Stop the Bleed campaign could be improved, where it related to addressing and engaging with young adults. And in order to, to really improve that outreach, um, I thought that we should bring the classes to students as opposed to bringing the students to the classes. Because at the time, you know, we were driving an hour away to go to these classes at the level one trauma centers. And that was really difficult. We could only take 10 to 15 students at a time. And of course, on a college campus, you have all these different students with different backgrounds who have different class schedules. And so it was a tricky process, but there was such an overwhelming positive student response um, to the stories we brought back with us and shared with our club members. And so I knew that we had to, to bring that to Miami. And so I sat down with Gina, manager um, from UC, and we formed a partnership with their trauma department in order to bring those classes to our campus. 
And as a result, we were able to train 423 students and faculty at Miami. Wow, that's that's incredible. I, I love what you said about, you know, college kids are interested in expanding their knowledge base and, and having these hands-on experiences in your own community. So 423 is a huge number compared to 15, like you said, when you're trying to shuttle people back and forth. <laughs> are these are these students that were all, you know, pre-med or had something that, you know, or could it be someone um, that isn't interested necessarily in the medical track per se in college that, that you were targeting? You know, I think the student interest started with the pre-med and pre-health students, um, but I had the opportunity to speak um, to the first year undergraduate students about the importance of Stop the Bleed and what Stop the Bleed was. And we also were really lucky to have the news reach out and come to one of our first classes on campus, which also let a lot of community members in on what Miami was doing in order to advocate um, for Stop the Bleed. And so that opened up an entire new realm of interested students. And so I made sure when I talked about Stop the Bleed, yes, it is a, a great professional thing for people going into medicine and the healthcare field to know these um, bleeding control techniques, but it's almost more important for the general public to know, you know, that's the aim of Stop the Bleed is to educate the general public and to get them involved. And so we had business students and engineering students and, you know, just all different types of people from different walks of life who really united and, and came together for this cause. And that was really endearing for me to see not just the pre-health community at Miami, but to see Miami's entire community at these classes. You know, I'm curious, Grace, thinking about the campaign uh, as a whole, the early adopters nationally are generally healthcare related people or first responder related people. And then the campaign grows and it gets outside of that uh, universe of uh, professional qualification types of people. And so similarly, uh, that's what happened at uh, at Miami for you, what do you think the motivations were for, let's characterize them as the general public or the general students at Miami that made them want to take time out of their schedule that they could be studying or doing something fun or doing whatever to uh, put the time in to learn about Stop the Lead? Well, I think we talk about it a lot. But of course, we always see in the news, terrible things happen in our communities, in our schools. And I think that safety aspect of how can I be better prepared if this happens to me, I think that's a really incentivizing reason for a lot of these students. But I think what I learned after talking to a lot of students as well, and it was something I, I think I was a little surprised by, is that it wasn't necessarily that they were taking the class for themselves, but that they were taking it for their peers and for their friends and for their family. And they were doing it because they wanted to be a helper for other people. And I think that was something that was really powerful and motivated me to keep going. And, and like I said, like the student response was amazing. And myself and Gina, I mean, we've had multiple people reach out to us in the past couple of years who have either had to use the skills they learned in class in a real life emergency, or who had a personal background with a family member passing away from massive bleeding, or who had a family member who was a survivor of massive bleeding. And that was something, you know, we didn't know about them when they attended the class. And so for them to talk about 
how impactful that class was for them and, and for some people almost healing for them. Um, that was really comforting to know. And, and Grace, before we kind of talk about where you are now and what you're doing at, at the Mayo Clinic, one of the things that we like to do when we talk to folks who um, are initiating trainings, running trainings, um, starting clubs is share tips. And I know that you've shared with us a few things that ways actually that you've been able to make training interesting. And I would love to hear like a few of your top tricks that you learned over the past Of course. So when we started doing these classes and, and holding them on campus, um, you know, I come from a huge background and love for research and data and, and learning about how we can do things more efficiently and more impactfully. And so we really looked critically at how we were delivering the information of Stop the Bleed and how the course could not just be a you know, certification class and training class, but how we could make it a more impactful experience and to really drive home the mission of Stop the Bleed and the reason that it even exists. And so one of the things that we introduced was a massive bleeding survivor network for Ohio. And so I have had the privilege to talk to many survivors of massive bleeding. And what we did is we had interested survivors come out to our classes and either attend in person or via Zoom and just share their story. You know, like I mentioned earlier, those stories are so powerful. And I think that's what really connected so many students off the bat to the importance of Stop the Bleed. And so basically, I think my biggest tip would be to get out there and to grow your network and to talk to people. Um, I've met so many people through Stop the Bleed that I otherwise would know nothing about. And, and to hear their story and what they've been through, I think it's really important because then you can kind of adjust Stop the Bleed and how you're delivering it to the community so that you're really advocating for your peers and, and your community and you know how better to advocate for them. And so I think connecting with that trauma center and then again, connecting with survivors and enhancing that class experience is really what made the initiative so popular on our campus. That's really impressive, as is really all the work that you did at Miami. But now I want to jump ahead and let's leave uh, Miami behind, Miami University behind, and move on to uh, back to Minnesota uh, and the Mayo Clinic. So why don't you just fill us in on uh, what you're doing there and uh, what you're doing with Stop the Lead there. Of course. So I graduated from Miami in May of 2021 and moved immediately to Rochester, Minnesota to start my research program at the Mayo Clinic. And I think within the first week of me arriving here, I reached out to the trauma center to see what they were doing with Stop the Bleed and how I could help. And Stop the Bleed was something that was a new initiative here at Mayo Clinic. And so I was able to work with their trauma outreach coordinator, Gwen Meyer, to really grow those efforts here in the community and to you know, further the advancement of Stop the Bleed. And so in 2019, there was a study published in the Journal of Surgical Education, and it looked at the efficacy of medical students as Stop the Bleed participants and as instructors. And that study was done out of Tulane University, and they found that medical students could effectively serve as competent course instructors. 
So the knowledge of the amazing outcomes of that study paired with my experiences of creating the Stop the Bleed Club at Miami led to a new idea for Stop the Bleed Meg Clubs. And I'm happy um, to report that we are piloting that here at Mayo Clinic with the medical students of the Mayo Clinic Alex School of Medicine. And it's a re really unique, I think, population of people to work with in the campaign because they can not only be advocates for this, but actually teach and be out in the community. I think one of the challenges I faced at Miami was having that connection to the you know, surgeons and the trauma staff to come and teach. Um, that was probably the hardest thing in terms of scheduling and organizing. And I think a lot of students that I've now consulted with who are starting to create Stop the Bleed Clubs, that's their biggest question for me, is how do I get instructors to come out? And I think, you know, we've done such amazing efforts to connect ambassadors and instructors, and that's something we'll continue to do. Um, but I'm really excited for the potential that the Med Club has in having the advocates be instructors. And so it kind of gives you all of those aspects in one. That's really great. I think you know, Grace, that we launched the Stop the Bleed Club program a couple of months ago. That's something that the campaign had been working towards for quite a while. And I know that there's been quite a few applications in that are uh, being processed. That program, when launched, was aimed at high schools and colleges and universities. But the general uh, uh, principle is groups or organizations that want to have access to resources to more easily enable them to uh, do what they're designed to do, which is both a combination of spreading information about the campaign itself and then to arrange for uh, training. And it's occurring to me that with your pilot program, that's something that we should really uh, take a look at because I know the campaign is interested in taking great ideas that uh, people or organizations have developed and then uh, helping them scale uh, so that they're, they can be more widespread and help the campaign along. Yeah, and I think the other really important thing is, you know, when you get to medical school and you're working in an environment that's attached to, you know, an institution like Mayo Clinic or attached to any kind of hospital, um, it's, it's been really important for me that with this med club, that we're not just teaching the medical students, you know, how to be leaders in their community and, and do community education, but also how to be medical student advocates. You know, going into medicine, you advocate for your patients, you advocate for your community and working through Stop the Bleed and a public health effort, um, you really get to dive into your community and learn so much more, I think, and be on that ground field of working, you know, very grassroots efforts. And, and so I'm really excited um, for our future trips to the Minnesota State House and to work with government officials and promote the 2019 Bleeding Act and to continue really fighting to get the kids into schools and, and just to get more awareness spread about the importance of this effort. Well, speaking about things you're excited about, I would love to know, we are just about one month away, little, little actually less than, from um, Stop the Bleed Day. It's May 19th this year, and I'm wondering what plans uh, you have and what's going to be happening at Mayo. Yeah, of course. So we are looking very much forward to National Stop the Bleed Month. 
Um, I know with COVID the past two years, uh, we were able to do things virtually um, at Miami University, but I believe there's nothing like being in person and being together and really being united in that. And so here at Mayo, uh, we'll actually be kicking off the Stop the Bleed Med Club with an event um, on May 24th. And we will be doing a large Stop the Bleed class with our students and other community members. And I'm really excited for it. We're also growing the course content in terms of doing a lot more scenario training. I think that's the other thing I really learned from working on this campaign at the undergraduate level is that when we did surveys and talked with the students and tried to see, you know, how can we expand the course so that it's beneficial to you? And I think for them, you know, they learned, you know, how to wound pack, how to apply a tourniquet, how to do proper compression. But, you know, working with a model on the table and just learning those step by step, sometimes when you're thrown into the real life situation, you're a bit scrambled, you know, it's a, it's a really uh, adrenaline rush in those situations. And so we wanted to make sure that they felt comfortable doing those types of bleeding control techniques in a real life situation. And so we have started to do scenario-based training, whether it be a car accident or, you know, a bicycle accident, like I mentioned earlier. And so playing out those scenarios in, you know, you call 911, you get you know, a kit off the wall, or if you don't have a kit, what do you have? And I think those scenarios have really fostered more conversation on, well, what do I do if this happens? And I think that just really helps get people more ingrained and more, more engaged in the classes and in the content. And so we'll be doing a lot of scenario-based training at this event. And so far, I believe we have 75 people signed up and we'll be doing a lot more social media outreach as well. And so I'm really excited to kick off this med club and then this summer to get integrated into the community. Really sounds fantastic, Grace. Uh, I'd encourage you to visit the uh, stopthebleedproject.org site, which has all the activities uh, that are uh, set up for both uh, Stop the Bleed Month and Stop the Bleed Day. Two years ago, three years ago now, we were going to do the first Stop the Bleed Trainathon, and uh, that was for in-person training. <clears throat> of course, with the pandemic, as you mentioned, the past two years, uh, we haven't been able to do that. So uh, this year, the Trainathon is running all month, and one of the things that people who are teaching classes are being asked to do is either to uh, report uh, the numbers of people that they've trained uh, at the uh, Stop the Bleed Project site. There's an easy way to do that. Uh, we're, we're also going to be introducing the Stop the Bleed training platform that uh, is really designed to make it easy for instructors to uh, handle the administrative aspects of their classes. So that's probably something worth checking out. And we also have a lot of things that are uh, organized for things that people can do on Stop the Bleed Day if they can't make it to training that, that are helpful to the campaign. So maybe with that, Kelly, we ought to jump into some questions, some hot seat questions of Grace. Let's do it, Grace. If you're um, familiar with our podcast, we like to end our interviews um, by putting you in the hot seat. So I'm going to kick off uh, with our first question for you, which is name a famous person you want to see become stop the bleed trained and why? Ooh, 
I think I'm gonna have to kick it back to my hometown, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, in the last year, especially, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have definitely been in the news and have been doing very well. And I, I think I have to say Joe Burrow, the quarterback, has done such a great, great job of engaging with the community. I mean, he's connected, you know, all the sports teams in Cincinnati, the Reds, the Bengals, and has really worked to, to just enhance the, the pride that exists in Cincinnati. And so I think I would love to see him and, and some of the other players trained and, and to advocate for that um, to other members of the Cincinnati community. Well, Joe sure knows how to throw a football, so I imagine that he'd be pretty good at uh, learning how to stop the bleed if he had an opportunity to uh, follow your challenge and uh, take a course. So if you're out there, Joe, listening to this, we'd love to connect you and your teammates to people who can show you how to do this and be prepared to help somebody in a bleeding emergency. I, I love that, uh, Grace. So my, my question to you uh, is, uh, I suppose, simpler, but in a single word, what does Stop the Bleed mean to you? Hmm. If I just had to limit it to one word, I think I'd say unity. Um, Stop the Bleed brings so many different individuals together, survivors, healthcare workers, government officials, and students like myself and other community members to all work towards the same cause. And that diversity that exists and people working to further the campaign makes the campaign that much stronger. And it continues daily to grow my perspective and my knowledge of how massive bleeding events affect the world around me and how I can do a better job of advocating for, for my community. I don't think we've heard the word unity yet. It made me think, Pat, we need to do a word bubble with all the different words that we've heard because it really, um, it just makes you smile hearing the passion when someone answers that question. You're right. And I think we do have enough words now from all the guests that we've had to have a pretty cool word bubble. We do, we do. Um, all right, this next question, Grace, helps remind people of the countless ways that you can injure yourself and why it's so important to get trained and stop the bleed. So you've already shared a few examples um, earlier, but if you can name an oddball way uh, that someone might experience life-threatening bleeding? I think one that relates to myself, you know, ever since I took the Stop the Bleed class, um, I carry a kit with me and I used to carry it in my backpack or on campus with me. And I still carry it around with me currently. But one thing that I never thought to carry it with me for is hiking. Um, I grew up in a family that loves to backpack, hike and camp. And and I started bringing that on our trips with us. And it really dawned on me, you know, when you're out here camping and, and hiking, a lot of the times, you know, you're not in, in, a, in an area where you get cellular service. You're sometimes miles away from a car and from help. And so it's really important, I think, in those situations where if there were an accident while you were hiking, that you are prepared for the unexpected. And it's vital in those instances because having that kit might be the only thing you have to stop the bleed in that kind of a situation. And so I think it's really important to promote that to everyone who camps and backpacks and, and goes out where you're not in, in a place where you have easy access to help. That's terrific. And actually there's a story we came across probably not quite two years ago uh, a hiker, 
uh, by themselves, uh, although there were other hikers nearby, <clears throat> on a windy day, and a uh, rather thin branch snapped and actually went into this person's right arm like a javelin, and it punctured their uh, artery, and they were uh, bleeding profusely. Uh, it was one of those kind of one in a million shots almost, if you will, that it could hit their arm at the correct angle and have uh, enough sharpness to uh, uh, go in instead of sort of bounce off. So I think you bring up a great uh, point that uh, people should be uh, mindful of. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and I think the other, the other interesting one that I've come across is, you know, we've started to do a lot of classes out in the community and, and going into the community to do these classes. And one of the interesting groups that I connected with was a local motorcycle club. And they wanted to get trained in case there would be any kind of accident. And I just thought that was so, so awesome that a group of, it was a ladies motorcycle club and just to, to connect with them and, and teach them and to know that they all have kits now um, on their bikes. Um, I thought that was just amazing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, one last question for you. So we asked you before uh, uh, to nominate a famous person or identify a famous person, but if you had to uh, pick somebody who you would really like to have trained sometime soon, who would you pick? Who would you nominate? I think with having talked a lot at different events and out in the community about Stop the Bleed, I think the next step that I would like to see is to see Stop the Bleed being trained on some of these talk shows. So like the Drew Barrymore show or the Kelly Clarkson show, I think getting it out in front of an audience that has, I don't know how many thousands of people tuning in, I think that would be a great next step. And so I think I would like to nominate Drew Barrymore, one, because I love her movies, but two, because <laughs> she just has an incredible show and really wants to promote positivity and learning. And so I think it would be a great environment for our Stop the Bleed training. Perfect. I love it. I, I too am a fan and have been watching her new show. So I think that's a great addition to it. So now we just have to reach her. Of course. <laughs> well, Grace, thank you so much for your time and sharing all of this incredible information and the tips and tricks and everything that you're doing to help promote Stop the Bleed. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And I look forward to continue working with you guys. Well, thanks, Grace. I just wanna, before we close off, thanks for your work as an ambassador. Uh, thanks for all the things that you've been talking about today. It's people like you who really make a difference in their local community and set an example for others and help the campaign evolve so that it can keep doing new things or better things that uh, have that positive impact uh, on the campaign and really for uh, the public at large. So I'm glad we finally got you on the podcast uh, and um, I'm sure uh, we'd love to have you back at some point uh, as you continue your uh, healthcare career and uh, probably uh, think of new things and new ways to improve the campaign. And speaking of local communities making a positive impact, Pat, who are we going to talk about in our spotlight today? Well, today's spotlight is going to be something connected to what's been in the news since early March, and that is Ukraine. 
I think that uh, most people, uh, due to the coverage that uh, we've all seen, know about the terrible situation over there with Russia uh, declaring war and invading the country. And lots of different groups, uh, lots of people have responded in, in ways that they can help. And I'm really excited to see how the Stop the Bleed community has uh, stepped up to help. Uh, you know, the origin story of Stop the Bleed comes from the U.S. military and soldiers learning how to uh, stop traumatic bleeding of their fellow soldiers. These are non-medics, uh, just uh, regular soldiers. And that basic idea that uh, quote-unquote regular people could be taught this life-saving skill formed the core of why Stop the Bleed as a campaign started here in the United States. And unfortunately, in Ukraine now, it's almost back to the origin story because you've got a wartime condition and it, there's a dire need for the public in Ukraine to understand how to uh, handle traumatic bleeding because they're dealing with so much of it. There's also a need for healthcare professionals over there, like there has been here in the United States, to uh, learn about it as well, uh, become trainers as they have here in the United States. And so there's been a number of organizations that have been working on providing what I'll just broadly call stop the bleed support. And it basically falls into two camps. The educational piece uh, rests upon different organizations who've been producing instructional materials, uh, videos, uh, documents, where they've uh, translated the English version of what the video is or what's in the document into Ukrainian so that it's uh, accessible uh, by the Ukrainian people, by the Ukrainian healthcare professionals. Uh, there's also been a, a tremendous amount of uh, stop the bleed equipment that's uh, been donated uh, for delivery over to uh, Poland and then into Ukraine. Uh, so some of the organizations involved in that are uh, the Red Cross, the Stop the Bleed Coalition, uh, the American College of Surgeons, the American uh, College of Emergency Physicians, uh, Harvard Medical School in conjunction with Brigham and Women's, uh, Johns Hopkins. So some of the leading organizations uh, nationally in our healthcare system, but certainly uh, the leading organizations uh, within the Stop the Bleed community. Now the Stop the Bleed Coalition has uh, set up uh, on their website, uh, all of these uh, instructional materials and ways for people to uh, donate uh, kits and uh, bleeding control bandages and tourniquets. So if anybody's interested uh, in helping what all these organizations have been doing, on the educational material side, we're just looking to have people share that information uh, so that it, we, we have it go viral in some sense and hopefully reach the people in, in Ukraine so they understand they've got a one-stop shop resource to access this information. And likewise for uh, organizations or people that are interested in getting equipment over there, uh, the coalition has a place on its website uh, that uh, handles all that stuff. So to all the organizations I mentioned, uh, and I'll, I'll just give a shout out to uh, some of the actors that are in one of the uh, public service announcements. Um, we've got uh, uh, an actor who's on uh, New Amsterdam, which of course is a healthcare focused show, uh, Ryan Eggle and Sophia Bush from Good Sam, uh, both of whom uh, along with some other actors dedicated their time to make a, uh, a Ukrainian video uh, to help the people of Ukraine. 
So this is sort of a special spotlight and shout out to all those organizations that uh, have stepped up uh, in, in the ways that they can to help what's going on over in Ukraine. Pat, where can we see that um, PSA? So if you just go to stopthebleedcoalition.org, the website has a section of the site that houses all of the videos that different organizations have made, including that PSA that I just mentioned, as well as uh, instructional documents uh, translated into Ukrainian on how to use a tourniquet, all the other uh, aspects of what constitutes uh, a Stop the Bleed training. Incredible. I haven't seen that yet, so I'm going to go check it out when we wrap here. Um, but that, that wraps up our podcast today. Thank you everyone for tuning in and please, please keep listening. If you know someone who would benefit from today's episode with Grace or any of our previous episodes, please share it because together we can save more lives. To learn more about the Stop the Bleed campaign, Stop the Bleed grants and scholarships, and how you or your organization can get involved, visit StopTheBleedProject.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at StopTheBleed for campaign updates.